Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. cheerleader for God's people, it has to be Rowan Fay. If you've never had the privilege of meeting Brother Fay, you've missed out on one of life's greatest opportunities. Rowan has been a pastor and evangelist, as well as one of the founders of the Outreach and Bus Convention. This sermon, preached at God's Bible School and College Fall Revival in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1985, was preached by Rowan Fay, and it's titled, Don't Cast Away Your Confidence. I know you're going to enjoy this wonderful message. Do you know who the greatest boy in God's Bible school is? Do you know who the greatest girl in God's Bible school is? Well, you might be surprised. I happen to know. I'll tell you who they are. It's the, it's the one who can refrain from doing what they want to do when what they want to do is what they ought not to do. Really. You know, if you get anything out of your trip to God's Bible school, it ought to be the building of character. It's the boy or girl who does what he ought to do when he doesn't want to do it. That's character. You know, we've got a misconception. I, you know, we, we think that uh, the great people in life are the people that always want to do the right thing. No, the great people in life are the people who do what they ought to do regardless of how they feel. I really appreciated what Brother Brown said about marching himself to church to pray. And Brother Brown, I've had to do that so many times. Many times I'll come to the close of a very busy day, uh, maybe a very non-productive day. You know, I've had busy days that I felt were unproductive, and boy, that, that bothers me. And I'll begin to think about it, and I, I can't go to sleep even thinking that way, so I have to march myself over to the church, and I may be very weary, very tired, and the easiest thing would be to go to bed, but I'll go over to the church and spend some time in prayer. Sometimes at the close of that season of prayer, I felt like starting another day and I hadn't even had a night of rest yet. There's something about taking time with God is rejuvenating and strengthening. So young people, do what you ought to do, not what you feel like doing. Those who do what they want to do may be today's heroes, but when the party is over, those same people will have incredible regret. It's, uh, it's fun to just do the thing you want to do at the moment. It's fun to just do whatever you want to do. That's kind of fun. And those people at times at the right setting can be very popular, very glamorous. Uh, you know, we're attracted to the guy. It seems like he's really having a ball. You know, he's really having a good time. So we're drawn to him. But the party's soon over. When I was pastoring in East Worcester. There was a young couple, married couple. 
that were very worldly, living high lives, uh, but very loose lives, making big money, and uh, they were kind of the, oh, it seemed like people were looking to them some kind of a idle sort of way. They shouldn't have been. Not the church people weren't. And I can remember one night in a drunken stupor, he set his house on fire because his wife had been running around with another man and he was angry about it. And so he decided he'd burn the house down. And I stood there watching their house burn and I stood there watching as she pounded her fist on his chest, screaming, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. And he said, well, he said, you might leave me, but you're not going to take anything with you now. The party was over. Broken lives, blighted dreams. He was a handsome fellow, tall, handsome guy. She was a beautiful girl. And, it, you know, they, on the surface, it appeared like they had everything going for them, but their lives were so empty. They just kept pursuing the things that gratify self. And young people, that doesn't do a thing for you. Really doesn't. The fun soon comes to an end. And in their case, their dreams lay there in ashes. And I, uh, my prayer is that your dreams will never lie in ashes because uh, of an insatiable desire to just gratify self. Learn to serve the Lord. You say, well, Brother Fay, I'm a son. That's right, and the best kind of son serves. And sonship does not disqualify us from servanthood. And I believe it's through being a servant that we can find real contentment. In Hebrews chapter 10 and in verse 35, we read these words. And I'm praying this morning that God will help me to give you something that will maybe help you this morning. But, but really, I'm looking further than, than this morning. If you have a piece of paper and a pencil, you might want to write something down, I say today. Not because I think it's so profound, but because my intention this morning is to say something that's going to help you in six weeks when the emotional tide of the revival is gone and uh, you're in the grind of study, you're under the pressure of financial needs and, and uh, there's some disappointments and some heartbreaks and your boyfriend just said, I'm sorry, we're not dating anymore and uh, your girlfriend is making eyes at some other fellow on campus and all of that stuff, uh, you know, that happens after the revival's over. I want to give you something this morning that'll help you so that your boat doesn't go down. I'd like to help you keep afloat. And so uh, you pray for me this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for thy presence. We thank you for everything that you've done in this revival meeting. And Lord, right now we come to you and ask that you'll give us something that will stick with us. Something that will help us in the tomorrows of our life. We thank you for the blessings that you give us on an immediate basis. We pray that this morning you'll help us to project our minds into the future just a little bit. And help us to get something this morning that will just linger with us longer than just for the moment. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> When you're in the mental gloom of disappointment, and by the way, you're going to have some. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I wish I didn't have to tell you that, but I've, I've got to be honest with you. You're going to have some. But when you're in that condition, sound, straight thinking is called for. You're not always going to have a counselor. Thank God for your friends, staff members, uh, people that know the Lord that we can talk with. That's good. That's good. Nothing wrong with that at all. But, you know, you don't always have that. Some things are even just so personal that you're not even sure that you really ought to talk it over with somebody. I'll tell you one thing is dead sure you've got to be able to think straight in a time when disappointment overwhelms you. Disappointment can cause you to be so emotionally disturbed and depressed that you'll, it's almost impossible to think effectively. It can get that hard. It can get that tough. Disappointment is a prevailing and common adversity among all people and with all kinds of Christians. It's just a way of life. It's not a constant thing. I'm not trying to tell you that. I'm not trying to get you to be discouraged. I'm just trying to prepare you for something that can come. You don't know when it's going to hit. If you live with it, you've got a real problem. I don't think we have to live with it. But it will hit you every once in a while. If you live with it, you're asking for it. <laughs> Maybe I'm unfair. Maybe that's too harsh. I don't know. But boy, I'll tell you, the people that live with that constantly, it just seems to me they can hardly wait for the next one to come. I've known a few people like that. I mean, <laughs> they seem to just enjoy being in trouble, being in hot water, and wanting a little sympathy and wanting a lot of attention. They just seem to thrive on it. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about those times when it just comes along like a Mack truck and runs you over. You weren't expecting it. In verse 34 in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. You see, when these things hit, your response to them is pretty important. Your response to them isn't going to be right unless you've already got some things settled in your heart. You've got to have a basic attitude so that when the disappointment hits you and the hard place comes, you're able to respond to it properly. You've got to have a basic attitude that can handle it. Very important to have something down inside in a time like that. The scripture said here that they took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. In other words, when you, when you had terrible loss... You're happy. Now, these people weren't nuts. They weren't crazy. They hadn't lost their intellectual wattage. Their brain generator hadn't quit working. They were intelligent people. But they still took joyfully the spoiling of their goods. And he gave us the reason. And this is the reason. He said, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Well, I don't know. Some of you might think this is not appropriate for young people, but I think it is. <clears throat> because I've watched young people suffer loss, different kinds of a loss maybe than an older person would suffer, but to them it was just as real. 
a loss of a friend. You lose a good friendship and you've really lost something. Amen. Somebody that really means a lot to you and all of a sudden it seems like they don't seem to want too much to do with you, that can hurt pretty deep. An older person at times, sometimes even parents, you know, make light of that. You know, maybe it's a boyfriend-girlfriend situation and there's a breakup and one or the other feels pretty bad, broken-hearted. And uh, sometimes adults joke, oh, it's puppy love, you know, ha-ha, funny. It's not. It's not funny. Sometimes it's a deep wound and it hurts. And of course, there's many other kinds of losses as well. As well. Whatever kind of loss comes your way now or later, remember that you've got some things laid up in heaven. You've got a treasure in heaven. <laughs> and that's why the scripture tells us, lay up your treasures in heaven where the moths can't eat it and the rust can't corrupt it and thieves can't steal it. Praise God. You know how to do that, by the way. You know how to do that? You do something for somebody that can't return the favor, and I think you've already laid up something in heaven. That's right. You minister to somebody who may not ever be able to minister to you again, and you've laid up treasures in heaven. You visit the jails and you visit the hospitals and, and uh, you, you, you minister to people who you may never even see again. You serve them. You help them. You comfort them. You do something for them. The other night I got a phone call from a fellow who was traveling through the city of Utica and he didn't have any money. He was broke. He just looked up my name in the phone book. He didn't know me from Adam and I didn't know him. And uh, I said, well, sir, I had a house full of company we run a hotel in Marcy and uh, I really didn't have any more room he wanted a place to sleep and something to eat and a shower and a shave I, I maybe didn't serve him like I should have it was late 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 at night everyone had gone to bed I was still up studying and I said well sir there's not an awful lot I can do for you but I'll do for you what I can and I found out where he was and I got in my car and I drove into downtown Utica to an old hotel and uh, this, now don't, don't think large of me because I didn't give him much. I took out my wallet and I opened it up and I took everything out of it that was in there and I gave it to him. And I reached down in my pocket and I had a pocket full of change and I just scooped all of that out of there and I dumped that in his hand. And, and I said, I'm sorry, I can't do more for you tonight. You caught me at a time when I really feel like... He said, it's all right, somebody else is coming. And he thanked me for what I gave him and I left. Now, I'll never see that man again probably. But I did a little something for him. Maybe, maybe they'll, now maybe I've lost it since I told you. I don't know. Uh, maybe I've lost my reward since I already told you what I did. But maybe I'll have a little reward in heaven. I know one thing. I felt kind of good on the way home. I couldn't have even stopped and got a cup of coffee on the way home. I was that broke. And I was still that broke Sunday night until 10 o'clock. But that doesn't matter. I felt kind of good. I wasn't fully satisfied. I'd like to have done more. But... Um, uh, I was uh, I had a lot of my mind and a lot of other problems but I did what I could and whatever you can there's a million things you can do I'm not going to give you a long list but there's a lot of things you can do to lay up treasures in heaven and those things are great and you, nobody's going to take them away from you you know God said that every idle word is chalked up against us you know that now if God chalks up every idle word 
Since God's the kind of a God that he is, I think he chalks up the good words too. God keeps perfect records. We have a computer system at our church and school and the other day the power went off and my secretary was working on, on putting a program in that computer and the power went off and she said, oh no, I've lost everything on that computer. God never loses anything on his computer. Amen. He's got a perfect record. You might think this is insignificant. You might think it doesn't even count. But that little word of encouragement that you gave to a fellow student this morning has already been recorded in the books of heaven. That's right. I mean, I just can't, I, I cannot picture God writing down against my account every idle word without writing down to my account every kind and thoughtful and encouraging thing that I say as well. Praise God. And you know, when things look dark and bleak and dismal and discouraging and you're defeated, remember you've got some treasures in heaven. Number one, whether you've ever done much for anybody or not, remember that because you're saved, you've got a place in heaven, a place prepared for you. Praise the Lord. So they took joyfully the spoiling, spoiling of their goods, knowing there was something waiting for them, a better and an enduring substance. And we're told here that to have confidence in that has a reward to it. That reward is found in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, and an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away. It won't rot, it won't disintegrate, it won't wither, it won't uh, fade. It's always got its value. I have a little hobby. It's a crazy hobby. I think the fellow that just sang, Jeff, aren't you from Los Angeles? Where do you go? Yeah, he's from Los Angeles. He might appreciate what I'm about to tell you. I've got a crazy, nutty, stupid, silly hobby, but it's a lot of fun. I hope you don't lose confidence in me when I tell you one of my hobbies. When I went to Lake Placid in 1980 uh, to witness, I started collecting Olympic pins from all over the world. A pin from this country and that country and the other country. By the way, I've got some from Nigeria. <clears throat> and uh, I've got pins from uh, all over the world. In fact, I'm president of International Pin Collectors, and we swap pins with 150 nations. And I trade regularly with people through the mail, with people from about 40 states in the nation. And uh, we get mail from all over. I collect all, I, I'm not a stamp collector, but I've saved all those beautiful stamps from all those countries. And uh, I have some valuable pins because what makes a pin valuable is not its intrinsic value. You can make any of those pins from anywhere from 50 to 75 cents a piece, but some are worth a lot of money because they're rare. Okay? If there's only a small issue, a certain number made, then they become very valuable. A Coca-Cola pin that uh, San the Eagle was holding the Coke bottle was selling on the streets of Los Angeles during our recent Olympics for $1,000 a piece. That's, that's an example of what I'm talking about. And it, only because there were so few of them made. Everybody has to have the one they can't get. And that was one of them nobody could get. But what happened was, as two men from the Orient went over to Taiwan, where all these Kazane pins are made, and bought up the dyes after the Olympics was over, went to another company in Taiwan and reproduced all those rare pins. That 
Sam Coke pin, where Sam the Eagle, the mascot for the Olympics, is holding the Coke bottle that was selling for $1,000 on the streets. That pin you can buy in the streets of Los Angeles right now for $15. The same pin. I had an Olympic pin collection of over 3,000 pins, and uh, many of those pins were worth a lot of money because of their rarity. My Olympic pin collection today is almost worthless because of what happened. Now, that's happened to businesses, that's happened to art, that's happened to property, that's happened to all kinds of things. But what you put in heaven, that never happens to. Praise God. Praise the Lord. What you put up in heaven, nothing deteriorates its value. And young people, if, if you and I, if all of us, if we could somehow glimpse and catch a glimpse of heaven's values, if we could cultivate a sense of values in our life in the light of eternity, we will benefit for all eternity. So when you're discouraged and when you're despondent and when you're homesick and when you're defeated and when you're not sure how you're going to pay your school bill and when your boyfriend says, bye-bye, Sally, and when your girlfriend says, so long, John, and, uh, you know, and all these things, kind of, and sometimes they come all at once. You know, it's, woof, well, I can't handle this. You know, I'm, it's interesting to me how the Apostle Paul handled all of that. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was accused of being a troublemaker. Religious people even hated him. I mean, he, he really went through more, I think, than any of us will ever go through, or at least ever have. And what did he say? He said, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in to be content. Didn't he? Boy, what a conquering spirit that is. I mean, that didn't take away the pain. That didn't remove the loss. It was all still there, but his spirit rose up in challenge to those circumstances, and he said, thank God, I've got something laid up in heaven, and it really doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm going to be true to Jesus. Praise the Lord. I believe that's the kind of spirit God wants us to have. You know, it wouldn't hurt us just when we're a little discouraged to add up all the benefits we got, and we got a lot of them. Psalm 103, verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I think at times the devil would love us to forget the benefits. The devil would like to erase some of that from our mind and tell us about all the tough things there are in this matter of serving the Lord. Well, we can't go here, and we can't go there, and we can't do this, and we can't do that. Well, the devil likes to remind young people of that. But all the benefits outweigh all of that. It really does. And I think the psalmist had a good grip on that principle. He said, bless the Lord. Come on, soul, get with it. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all those wonderful benefits that I receive from the hand of God. Praise the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Be content with such things as ye have. Hebrews 13, 5. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Praise God. I've had some friends that dumped me. <laughs> One of my closest friends that I had a number of years ago, I never see him anymore. 
never hear from him anymore. He's just not interested in our friendship. But Jesus has never treated me like that. And he never will. Praise the Lord. I would recommend you try loving God a little more when things get tough. Because Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that go to God's Bible school. Oh, no, I don't think I read that right. I'm sorry. My old age or something. <clears throat> and we know that all things work together for good to them who have their school bill all paid. Getting closer, <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Thank you for the encouragement behind me here. And we know that all things work together for good to them that get just the girlfriend they had their eye on. No, I'm sorry. Just be patient with me, will you please? I'm just having trouble seeing this. And we know that all things work together for good to them who have everything go just the way they want it all the time. Well, since I can't see it, I'm going to have to try to quote it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. <laughs> well, you know, I like things going good for me. I'm not recommending that you jump into the blues. I like things going good for me. And so that tells me if I want something to go good for me, one of the best ways to keep it going good is just love God more. Yeah. Amen. Hey, how about it? Let's just promise God, Lord, I'm going to love you more. Let's stand up right now real quick. Oh, my word. Everybody be seated, please. Everybody stand up real quick. Oh, that's a lot better. Now let's ask the Lord to help us to love him more. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our troubles. We thank you for our trials. We thank you for our tests. And Lord, while we thank you for them, help us to love you more. Help me to love you with all of my heart, Lord Jesus. You've been good to me, Lord, and I appreciate it. And I love you this morning, Lord. Help me to love you more and more and more. And help me to never, never quit loving you. Help me to love you more every day. And help these young people to love you more. And help us to keep our affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Help us to lay up treasures in heaven. Help us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Lord, we know that all of these things we think we need will be added unto us. And we'll give you a praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. Oh,